on this big drive energy full swing edition number seven we're going to recap the episode entitled golf is hard and i'm not sure there's a truer statement around the game of golf in the entire world other than those three words right there golf is hard featuring mito Pereira and sahith Degala, pga tour rookies in 2022 all right let's tee it up Hello, friends. Welcome to this tradition unlike any. Screen mashed potatoes? That was mashed. <laughs> I was playing golf this morning and it's it's fucking hard, man. It's hard. I feel like I'm good and then I feel like I'm shit and then I'm tinkering and I'm hitting drives left and right and I'm topping irons out of the out of the rough. It's fucking hard, dude. Golf is very hard, and you were playing Willis Case, which is probably the easiest golf course in the world. So, um, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I it only gets harder from there. Well, I mean, it, 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 easy is a relative term. I mean, it's still, it's still like a regulation golf course, fairly easy. But you can, you know, there's a lot of roads around. You can hit a, hit a couple of roads. Have you hit the I seventy yet? No, I haven't quite yet, but I definitely hit a few wonky ones out there and and did top an iron out of the, the rough, so that was cool. But I also think on the whole. Yeah, topping an iron is pretty wild. But the fact that that place doesn't have a driving range blows my mind. Like yeah, any golf course that doesn't have a driving range shouldn't be considered regulation. I mean, yeah, I guess you just don't go there to practice, but you can still warm up and hit into the hit using the bays into the uh into the net you know and it's crazy that they have pros there that just like teach into the net like talk about the easiest thing ever that part is wild yeah that part you absolutely have to imagine paying somebody to just hit shots into a net with no fucking uh simulator or anything and just being like yeah that one looked good as long as it hits above the first four feet of the net you can deduct that it possibly got up in the air and it's yeah that's that is 100% shooting fish in a barrel. Um, okay, let's talk about this full swing episode. First of all, I want to say we are a little late. We got wrapped up with the Masters. Everybody's definitely already watched all eight episodes. Um, but we figured we started it. We're going to finish it. So here we are. And then we got one more after this. But uh, I would say probably so far this has been the most lackluster episode for me. Um, just not that exciting in general. It's Mito Pereira. I really do like Sahith Tagala, but, um, it's, I feel like partially because they've used so much footage from the PGA championship last year that Mito has already been discussed multiple times or just taken stray bullets multiple times in this series so far. So, 
uh, I feel like I already we already did this episode, but we didn't. It's just kind of a a repeat of watching Mito try not to fucking blow it off the map right into the water and then end up making double on 18. So other than that, I mean, there was a lot of stuff. I I really enjoy Sahith Thigal's story. And it was really cool because I remember watching him come down the stretch um, on Saturday before we left the waste management and he was balling like, and I, I think one thing that a lot of people don't understand is how unique his swing is um, relative to a lot of other stereotypical swings because he's not a um, typical swinger of the golf club. And a lot of instructors have come out and said, like, I would never teach this swing. Um, he's a tour player, obviously, so he gets away with it. But it just goes to show you when you don't have a, a tailor-made Pardon the pun. You don't have like a stock tailor-made built swing like that. Uh, it really takes even that much more practice to groove um, something that is a little harder to repeat. So, so overall, I really like the Heath Mito and eh, decent. Um, what, what did you, how'd you feel about this situation? Well, yeah, it is a very generic episode in terms of uh, those guys are, you know, not too well known. They are now, obviously, because of the show and just what's happened and transpired in both of their lives in golf since the start of 2022 and this was getting filmed. But I think one of the the underlying contrasts of this episode is just, you know, we've had PGA Tour episodes and Live Guy episodes of like players that are not really following a similar trajectory. But what I think this shows is now we can have some, you know, 2020 vision looking back at it. But basically these guys are in the same exact position. They both had chances to win big events. They, they ended up losing them. And one guy now went to live and, and one guy's on the PGA tour. And, and it kind of, it's kind of funny because they, uh, a couple of quotes, like one of Mito's quotes is winning on tour is the dream of my life. And he basically, I mean, Money will make you do some some crazy stuff, but he basically threw away what he at the time was quoted saying the dream of his life to go. Potentially, he'll probably never get to play a major again. You know, he there's there's a whole bunch of stuff that could happen down the road, but in the immediate future, like with him not winning the PGA Championship, now he's going to be fighting in different ways. I think he'll get to play in the PGA championship again this year, and then maybe have to win it uh, in order to play in the masters and other events like that, or stay in the world golf rankings for as long as he can. But I just liked the contrast of, you know, Sahith is watching this when we did, everybody's like, Oh, I like Sahith the a lot, but Mito prayer is kind of, and it kind of just is the general sense of this entire show is like the live guys are guys that just couldn't do it or wanted to give up. And that's not necessarily fair, but it's just the, what they get portrayed as by the show. And then by what the live tour has become in the eyes of the public. Yeah. It was almost a little bit of foreshadowing like Mito. I wouldn't call him the villain of the episode, but I think people definitely felt a little worse for Sahith blowing the lead at the waste management then they felt bad for Mito blowing the lead at the PGA championship like there was definitely a little bit more sympathy for Sahith than there was for Mito um so I definitely uh agree with you there I think I looked into um 
since this was filmed kind of beginning of 2022, uh, Sihith is gone. He, you know, from being a PJ tour rookie. And then he started off his season at the waste management and finished top five. Since then he's made $8 million on tour in a little over a calendar year, 14, 15 months. And this season he's made 15 of 16 cuts. Uh, he's played in 16 tournaments, made 15 cuts. So he's low key, like playing very consistent, good golf. He hasn't won yet, but uh, definitely a force to be reckoned with out there. And it's just so cool to see a guy like that come up through the ranks of playing at Pepperdine in California. Nobody really knowing who you are. Uh, my buddy Eric Hallberg actually told me when COVID hit, he was playing in some like uh, mini tour events down in Scottsdale with Sahith. First of all, is it it's Sahith? Not Sahith. Yeah, so <laughs> it's probably Sahith. Uh, yeah, it's Sahith. I, so excuse me. Also, for... M- Mido. Were they making fun of that, or is it actually Mido? I they were saying Mido. No, they were like saying mitochondria in the episode. Oh, mitochondria. So they no, it's I definitely think they were just making they, fun. There was a few of there was a few of those, so maybe that's how it's pronounced. I, yeah, I think that was a joke. I think it's actually Mido is the pronunciation. Um, I would like to hope at least. So, yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. If I'm just pronouncing both of their names completely wrong, but yeah, Sahith Sahith has been on a tear this year. Mito, I don't think, has played very good golf on the Live Tour, but it's also such a small sample size that it's kind of hard to say who's playing well, who's doing what. Um, I've got, in chronological order, my notes kind of jump back and forth because they go Mito, Sahith, back and forth, back and forth. Um, at the very beginning, like Mito, Joaquin Neiman, and Carlos Ortiz all like sharing a house, all being from either Central or South America uh, is pretty cool. Just like them all being boys. And it just goes to show you like culture, cultural things like dudes all from, you know, they may not be all from the same country, but they're all in a new place in America trying to play professional golf at the highest level. So I think they all kind of get that connection and they automatically create that bond so i thought that was pretty cool mito having that private chef uh i think that's like a an ultimate dream of everybody's is to just have a private chef to cook you whatever you want whenever you want like it's like being at a restaurant 24 7 um so that's that's like a next level thing to me um also and then the contrast of that is then they talk about Sahith just moving out of his parents' house and living in Houston. I wonder, he probably has to live in Houston because of uh, no, t- no income tax. Like that's that could be the only reason I would think because it sounds like he grew up in California and then played at Pepperdine. So he's got to live in Houston strictly for income tax purposes. Um, Sahith's family, very cool his dad is awesome. Like just like the, not your typical dad, but just like very, very supportive, very like cheerleader for his son and kind of funded his dreams at the very beginning. So I thought that was, uh, 
not it's not super rare a rare story but for them to not be familiar with the game of golf at all as kid and that that was kind of the same thing as like tony finau tony finau's dad had no idea what golf was and now his son's top 50 in the world on you know on the pga tour so kind of the same thing with sahith it's like how it, it just blows my mind that they they don't even know this game and now it's literally they're living and they're making millions of dollars doing it yeah well let's get to sahith's family because that we've actually quote unquote hung out with them um i use that as a very loose term but we we saw I don't sahith's family at the waste management they were did standing we? on the tee box right next to us this oh, past year. Did he? Did we the talked dad with his dad. Us? Yeah, we talked with his dad for a little bit. Oh, okay. Uh, yes, yeah, so now I do recall that. Holy shit! Yeah, so friends of the program, Sahith Thigala's family, <laughs> the Thigala family. Uh, but it, it his is dad is just like super nice. Like he was asking us, like maybe he thought we worked for the PJ Tour or something because he was asking <laughs> us a bunch of questions. We're like, dude, you know more than we do in this situation. Um, yeah, yes, no, a, I, I a do super recall. Nice, cool. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, just a super nice, cool family. And he's got like a group that travels with him. Uh, not some, uh, you know, not some like uh, groupies. Oh, well, the guys, uh, no, not some like Finau stuff where it's like literally traveling with his family, but he's got like a contingent of 15 to 20 guys the team Sahith, not guys, guys and gals, family, whatever, but like they all follow him to, at tournaments. I don't know if it's every single tournament, but we've seen him both years now at the waste management. Um, but to your point about his dad, just in general and relating it to Finau's dad and family is us growing up in golf and playing a lot of junior tournaments and, and playing professional tournaments and uh, just being around the range and the practice area during tournaments, you can tell like it's very clear which families grew up grooming their kids to play golf and which families grew up just happen luckening happening to luck into a kid that's really good at golf. Yeah, I you can tell me if I'm wrong, but usually the first indicator for me is like how they're dressed and how nice their equipment is. Um because automatically I mean, we, can, we can go there too, but more to me, it's like the, the way they talk about certain shots that it, let's, let's put it this way in my, in my, which could be jaded opinion, the parents that are really into golf themselves, like get more angry at their kids for missing shots or get upset when a ball goes to the left and like goes in the water, like on that 17th hole at waste management. But Sahith's dad's like cheering, like I, always positive, always upbeat and like hoping it didn't go in, hoping it's safe. Like, like just in that you're, one, you're moment, saying an expectation that is put on the from the parents on the player. Is that what you're getting at? Like when yeah, the like, kids are being what, forced, then the parents have an expectation. Right. Like it's, it's like the when you have the knowledge of like, I see it this way. I'll give you two examples. Here's one parent of a kid that's 16 years old that the dad thinks he knows golf is standing behind him on a driving range before a tournament with his arms crossed watching every shot being like ah oh, that wasn't that great that wasn't that great parent that doesn't care about golf necessarily is sitting there oh what a great shot or oh go in the hole like sahith's parents on that little junior event that he was playing where he hit one close like the mm. old video that's the difference and you can just tell immediately you can yeah and you know when you play in a junior yeah, you play in a junior event, you see you're playing as a threesome or whatever. One parent's like, 
you know, scoffing at his kid or that's left or that's in the water. And then the other parents like, Oh, that's a great shot. I really hope that's safe. You know, it's just golf kind of breeds that, that from certain parents. And I'm not putting everybody into the same mold, but it's very clear to me that his parents weren't into golf as a kid. And then you have other parents that you're like, Oh, like they've been trying to groom this kid to be on the PGA tour since he was four years old. Yeah. And I think, part of that comes down to the financial aspect of it, where these other parents have been investing hundred, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars trying to elevate their kid to be a world-class golfer, you know, and that goes throughout any sports, AAU parents, uh, base travel, baseball parents, like the more you put into it, the more you expect to get out of it. So quick, quick story. I don't remember if you were caddying for me at this Colorado open qualifier, but I was playing with that really big kid that from Arizona, he was like six, six, probably three bills. Just this big motherfucker. Were you, were you with me? I don't think you were. Uh, I think, no, I, I don't what? know if I had a caddy for that one or not, but this is where again at legacy Ridge. No. Is that the one where you hit one out of bounds and missed the qualifying because it bounced off the cart path? I don't want to talk about it, but. I can't know that you were there for that. No, I wasn't. Uh, you had to tell me about that. Oh, so that, that may have, uh, um, that may have been that year, but anywho, uh, dude, we started on 10 at legacy Ridge and his dad is following. And he was like telling me that his dad had been funding his golf career. And he was only like 19 or 20 at the time, but I think he had turned pro and, uh, his dad was like very, very helicopter. So on 10, he, it's like the drivable par four. That's like three thirty, three forty. He hits driver to six inches. He almost makes an ace on the 10th hole. It has a tap in Eagle. So he's two under after the first hole and then 11, I think he makes par. And then 12 is that par three um, where it's got the hazard behind the green and it's kind of that downhill, like 190 yard par three. Do you remember that? I'm trying, I'm trying to go through the holes in my head right now. Cause I, I'm still stuck on like the front nine, 10, oh, 10. Yeah. 10. And then 11 is, is the is part five and then 12 is the part yep. three. Yep. I got you. I got you. So on 12, the kid hits one long and left like over, you could see it fly over the stakes, like into the ravine. And I turn and I see his dad throw it. His dad throws his arms up in the air, like pissed off. And the kid legitimately grabs his bag and walks off the course withdraws right there on the spot. Like he goes, I'm so sick of my dad's shit and just walks off. So he played two and a half holes was at the time two under par and just left. So that I think the pressure of parents can definitely, uh, push people in the wrong direction. I, I don't want to get too far into this, but Sean O'Hare is another huge example that um, his dad took out like $5 million out of whatever he, I think out of the company he owned or something and basically gave it to Sean as an investment in his career. And Sean made it to the PGA tour, but ultimately him and his dad did not speak for like 10 years because they had such a, uh, turmoil filled relationship due to his dad funding his golf career. And I'm sure them coming to disagreements on things. So that's a uh, murky waters uh, when you get into giving your kid money to play sports and then expecting them to treat it 
like it's their money, you know, um, and taking it seriously, whatever. But yeah, you could definitely to round that out. Sahith, Sahith, uh, his parents are just like unconditionally supportive, which is, I think, a great benefit instead of being like, well, you should have done this. You should have done that. Like he already knows all that shit. He doesn't need to uh, hear it from his parents. Um, that kind of leads me to the moment when like Sahith feels like a obviously he's an adult. He's 24 years old, 25. Um but then after the waste management, when he blows the lead, he like breaks down crying in his parents' arms. And that just kind of makes you remember like it, he, he felt like he was like 14 again, or even younger, you know, golf can fucking break you down to the point where it can turn you into a toddler. <laughs> it, it can make you throw a fucking tantrum. It can make you cry. Um, and luckily Sith, that hasn't been his only opportunity. And I think, we all know that he will win on the PGA tour. It's not if it's when at this point, but um, when you blow an opportunity like that to come right out of the gate and win on tour, it's a pretty big deal. So uh, just the support that, like we said, his family gave him in that time was pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. And talking about the family and your support system being there for you, like Sahith's dad said, uh, which he, you know, reiterated, like, allow yourself to feel those emotions and allow yourself to feel that because then it'll make the wins and the happiness that much better. And I think who's the chick on full swing? Is that Amanda? Amanda Bellion? Renner. Amanda Renner. Uh, she was like, you know, kind of asking, and obviously it's the point of like a documentary. Can these guys compete on tour? And you're like, now we know after you know knowing what we know now that Heath is definitely I think here to stay like you said 15 made cuts out of 16 is a pretty that may be one of the best you know uh, that one otherwise he'd have the longest streak in on the PGA Tour because I think Rom's sitting at 14 or 15 right now as well maybe 16 now that he made the cut at RBC but he's here to stay and he's gotten you know he was top top five again this week at a, a elevated event um, he's definitely a guy that last February we had no clue who he was. And now we're, we're aware of who this guy yeah, is. I, I would, I would go as far to say, I think he's kind of a household name in golf now. And, um, a lot of younger kids like him and obviously diversity in golf is always good. Um, so there's just a, a myriad of things that can uh, contribute to Sahith's rise. Um, a few more of my notes that I had was uh, Mito had to have been a little jealous of Neiman when Neiman went out and like boat raced the, uh, the Genesis and won that at Riviera. And Neiman just is like the, the consummate pro um, in the fact that he just has like that swagger. He's got that look, even though, even for being so young, he's just, he's so poised. Like I, he's one dude that I am kind of upset that we don't get to watch week in and week out. Cause he's just fun to watch play golf. Like he is Gumby bendy. He can fucking twist his body. You can see all. his ribs through the, 
you can see yeah. his ribs through his shirt. Well, yeah, and talking about, uh, you can definitely tell Mito is a little salty about it, and you know they can twist things and make take things out of context. But also, it's funny when Neiman threw the little jab at him that like they had always dreamed about being on tour together, and Joaquin's like he took too long because <laughs> he didn't he didn't make it there until he was about twenty seven years old. So, well, uh, yeah, and, and then the, you know Neiman's winning at twenty three. So, yeah, and the fact that like Mito quit golf in the middle of his teenage years, it sounds like, and then comes back and gets to the point where he is is still pretty impressive. So, uh, a few other things on Mito. I bet his wife, like, I, I don't know if this is a stereotype or not, but his wife is South American. I bet she's crazy. Just like she, she's got that that energy that she could fucking like rip somebody's head off just like a tiny Colombian chick that isn't taking shit from anybody. Um, also his wife seems a little bit more outspoken than him. Like she, she's talking about, Oh, he's going to win. He's going to do this. And Mito doesn't seem super arrogant to me by any means, but his wife's like, yeah, he's going to do this, this, and this. And he's like, I just want to fucking, I just want to (laughs) win, you know? And his wife's already kind of writing checks. His ass can't catch cash. So uh, maybe that's why he went to the live tour. Um, Then did you notice, I don't know. uh, I know we both rewatched it over, but did you notice when him and his wife were in the car and they at the PJ championship and he goes, yeah, 18 really hard. Like I blocked my tee shot. Right. But it ended up fine. And this was like on like day two or day three. It was like four. It, I felt like it was a good bit of foreshadowing to what happened on, on Sunday when he blocks it far enough to where he hits it in the only place that he cannot hit it. And that ultimately loses him the golf tournament. Yeah, and going to uh, that one, that swing is still just ingrained in my mind forever for a bad reason, but it's still like objectively for me sitting here doing a golf podcast and not being on the tour, hilarious because of how bad that swing was. And did you see that they had, he had that same swing on 16 at the waste management. They were showing yeah, him kind of collapsing and missing the cut by one, but that his club literally finishing parallel to the ground after at his waist afterwards and just completely absolutely shitting on it yeah like he his hands exited his around his belt line like i don't know how much further left you can swing it than that without hitting yourself in the hip um so maybe he needs to work that shot out of his game because that seemed to to come up and bite him in the ass at the the exact wrong time so um, yeah, that's kind of all I got for this episode. Like I said, overall, not as much meat and potatoes to this episode, a little bit more surface level. Oh, I also thought that um, fucking Sahith doing laundry, he's carrying like a box of like a, a, sh- a shirt box that he got from Titleist and it's full of his laundry. And then just seeing his house set up for being a PGA Tour guy. I saw like a monitor set up on like a a fucking folding chair where one of his boys is like sitting over there gaming. Apparently it doesn't matter how much money you have. If you're in your early twenties, you just don't give a fuck about having furniture. Cause I mean, he was sitting in like one, I think he had a chair and a couch, but it's like, and this was, I'm sure his house looks a little different now that he's had the success that he's had, but um, I, it just cracked me up. It just looked like a bunch of kids that were, 
fresh out of college, no matter how successful you are, you still fucking got your TV set up on a on a folding chair. Yeah, it's it's what well, it's one of those things too for them. They're probably not like they can have a home, but unless that home's in an area of multiple tour events, and even if it's right next to one, that's still just one weekend of their lives that are spent just constantly traveling. Uh, last two notes I had. Did you notice the like six year old kids trying to get Mito to say Mike Oxlong? <laughs> what? The yeah, fuck? yeah, they, uh, they're just that fucking was a little stupid. shocking. Yeah, I, who knows? I mean, that's exactly. like. And those kids are going to look it, back 10 years from now and be like, I'm such an idiot. Yeah, I was like, making a Mike Cox song joke on a fucking full swing. I'm, I'm on a Netflix episode. Uh, and then just ending this episode, Sahith, at the end, you're truly never happy in golf. And that's just the case. Golf is hard and you're just truly never happy. But it's an addiction we all have to just live with. Yeah, exactly. There's, it's a, It's a never-ending game, that's for sure. Yeah. So we'll be back next week with full swing recap episode number eight, aka final. the final, the final air, the last airbender episode of <laughs> full swing. Uh, you guys enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the Zurich team classic this weekend. It's going to be a great one. Uh, team events are always fun on the PGA tour. I like when they switch it up, you know, there's been two huge events in a row, so they're switching it up and going to something else, but enjoy that. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Peace. Peace.